0: Welcome back to the Medicine Encompass podcast. Season four's theme is back to school. And to celebrate our return to the daily grind of homework and Sunday cramming sessions, our hosts will be taking a deep dive into the world of CVs and academics, discussing the pathway to become a healthcare professional. Hi, everyone. My name is Megan Lauren, and I am in grade 10 from California. In Medicine Encompassed, I am the Surgery Committee Leader, as well as Podcast Initiative Co-lead. Today, I'm here with Alyssa Wong, my fellow Podcast Initiative Co-lead. She is in grade 11 and is from Hong Kong. The Dynamic Duo is back with another episode.
1: We're all waiting for Shadow and Birds Season 2, but until then, it's time to shadow and learn with this episode, which will focus on how to shadow a doctor as a pre-med student as well as virtual shadowing opportunities during the current pandemic.
0: To start things off, I wanted to bring up the question of what is shadowing in the first place? Alyssa?
1: According to UW Medicine, shadowing means specifically observing the physician-patient interaction. You can shadow doctors at a hospital or clinic anytime before medical school. Each healthcare facility will have different age requirements, but it can range from 14 to 18.
0: So something that we've discovered through our time cold emailing and trying to shadow doctors, it really is just dependent on the type of specialty that you want to shadow in. Like I use this example like so many times because it's like very easy, but if you're like shadowing a pediatrician compared to a surgeon, Obviously, there'll probably be different age requirements because pediatricians, you're dealing with kids and it's not very graphic compared to like a surgeon where there's like a body open on a table. So obviously very different from each other. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) now that I've gone to my little spiel about the pediatrician versus surgeon talk about shadowing, we wanted to shed light. Bring the light (laughs) on the benefits of shadowing. So something that is very prevalent is that it's very recommended that you shadow physicians in the practice that most closely resembles your potential career goals. See if that specialty specifically suits you. See if it works out for you. Don't try to seek out a physician just because you want shadow. Actually look for a physician that you want to become in the future. If you want to become an oncologist, maybe shadow an oncologist. Don't randomly shadow a cardiologist if you don't even want to go into cardiology. I'm all for like four different fields of medicine and all of that. But when it comes to shadowing, you're really just seeing if that job works for you, if you personally like it. Shadowing is more of exploration rather than a resume pattern. So try to find, whenever you're shadowing, something that you're actually passionate in. Leading up to that and leaning into the aspect of what you want to be when you grow up. Another benefit of shadowing is that you get to see the physician in their daily work dealing with bad news, difficult patients, learning about what medicine is in real life. I don't know about Alyssa, but my school has this program called biotechnology. It's like this pathway we have at our school. And today we were studying anatomy and physiology. We were learning about the left ventricle, the right ventricle, all of that jazz. But none of that will ever like equate to real life when we see it in a real situation. In school, you kind of just learn these terms and not really know how it's applicable to real life. And shadowing just helps you add context to what you're learning in class
1: to add to what megan said earlier about shadowing physicians who are in the specialty that you are most interested in on the flip side of that if you don't know what specialty you want to go into yet which is of course absolutely fine you can shadow a diverse range of physicians who are all in different practice settings and have different physician styles so you can not only see the different ways of interacting with patients. You can also see the different specialties and maybe discover more about your own motivation and goals in terms of what you would like to specialize in. Another benefit of shadowing is to learn more about your own commitment level and your likes and dislikes when it comes to medicine so that you know that you're really going to be committed to the career and that this is what you want to do compared to finding out later after having gone through all the trouble of medical school and everything. Yeah,
0: that would definitely be a very sad realization. Like imagine those eight years of grueling school, organic chemistry, only to learn that like all of the things that you've learned and all of the things that you're working towards, you never even liked it in the first place. We are going to talk about shadowing and doing it with in-person and online because Especially due to COVID, all of the normal research opportunities and all of the regular shadowing opportunities that would usually be available for high school students, as well as pre-med students, everything has been put on pause because of the pandemic. And of course, obviously, you all probably know that information, but nothing has been more impacted than shadowing and volunteer work. Everyone is trying to stop the spread and all programs have been put on halt luckily. We have some tips and tricks for online shadowing. So there are various shadowing opportunities online because of the pandemic and everything. There's been evolutions and there's been solutions (laughs) to this ongoing issue of not being able to go in person. And they're usually through a doctor talking about the role, going over procedures, surgeries, and taking a quiz to test your knowledge of what you learned through that shadowing experience. There are so many websites to do so as well, but the only thing I would say to keep in mind is to check if it's a true resource. It's veritable because there are so many. I know I'm repeating there are so many, but there really are a lot of fake websites as well as nonprofits trying to give out shadowing hours. But if you truly want to do pure, 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 pure shadowing with doctors, there are very good websites to go to. Like, for example, there is the Heal Clinical Education Network. So every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time, they will have a doctor come out and you'll be able to shadow them over an online setting. Of course, that time doesn't always work for everyone like for me, I'm still in school so sadly that time does not work for me. But if you are in the East Coast, maybe that time works for you. There's also web shadowers, that is also varied on availability. And it just depends on what specialty you want to do and who's available. All of these different shadowing opportunities do come with certification. So you can say, hey, I did shadow this person for X amount of time. I did shadow this person who talked about X, Y, and Z. And I think the best bonus of them all is that they're all free. Because I know not everyone is able to access all of these resources. So the fact that all of these online shadowing opportunities are in fact free is a really good added
1: benefit. So have you had any experiences with virtual shadowing yourself?
0: I actually have. Um, Using one of the websites, I got to shadow a general surgeon. So she had talked about the work that she did. She went over a procedure. And at the very end, I had to take this quiz to show that I was paying attention through the entire thing. And afterwards, I got a certificate in the mail. Email, not mail because I was online (laughs) and with that certificate every time I want to talk that hey I shadowed someone I can just like pull up the certificate and say yes I did shadow someone I shadowed a general surgeon because I'm interested in surgery and I found it truly intriguing and I can just talk about what I did and I have evidence that I did so
1: let's move on to in-person shadowing now In-person shadowing obviously takes place in the real world physically, but it actually does start online with some cold emailing. You have to find a doctor to shadow in something that you're actually interested in. Don't just go with the first doctor that responds to your email if you're not actually interested in their practice and what they do. Make sure that you have a legitimate reason. Now, when you're shadowing, you should take meticulous notes on what you do and ask questions. But make sure to check with the doctor first to see if it's OK.
0: So speaking of notes. Just in general, it's a very good idea to prepare questions ahead of time, questions about their job, questions about the field, questions about their specialty. It just shows that you're very engaged in what you're doing and you truly enjoy the shadowing. Because once you show that you're vocal and you actively speak up, You can actually ask those doctors for letters of recommendation, which, by the way, is an upcoming episode this season. (laughs) But if you show how you believe that what they're doing is super important and you show that you truly care about it, then that leaves such a good impression on that doctor. And that doctor could ultimately be a part of your ever growing network. And as we've all known, starting from high school networking is super important and just showing that you're engaged just helps build that network and helps build your chances of getting into a good college
1: one of the important things to remember about shadowing in person is to dress professionally this probably means business casual guys dress pants and tie girls dress pants or dress so you have to dress to impress. I think I've said the word dress way too many times, but still. <laughs> online shadowing, I mean, you could you have to still wear business casual. But as Megan's teacher likes to say, party on the bottom, work on the top. Did I get that right?
0: Yes, you did, guys. You know, <laughs> online shadowing is a completely different world. Yes, it's the same thing. But attire-wise, it's much more lax. Last- like Alyssa said, my teacher says <laughs> you can wear pajama bottoms at the top. Um, <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> your yeah, teacher said that though.
0: My teacher always says when it comes to interviews, when it comes to shadowing, and it comes to looking professional in front of an online camera, you can wear pajama bottoms. But your top, you better be wearing your slacks and just... Have a professional look from the top. (laughs) Don't worry about the bottom because they're never going to see your bottoms. But in real life, sadly, you cannot wear pajamas to your shadowing. I am so sorry that we had to be the ones to deliver this news to you, but you have to wear pants.
1: Another difference between virtual shadowing and in-person shadowing is scheduling. Now, for virtual shadowing, they usually already have a set time, but with in-person shadowing, you have to find times that work for you and the doctor. You should always ask for the doctor's convenience unless they ask you first.
0: This is more of just a courtesy because the doctor is putting time out of their busy schedule to allow you to observe them. And... I'm pretty sure everyone knows this because of course you're listening to this podcast. You obviously have an interest in medicine, but doctors work a lot (laughs) (laughs) to put it very lightly. They work a lot. (laughs) So whenever you are scheduling anything with a doctor, shadowing research, um, talks, speaking to them in general, you really want to work with their schedule. and. Of course, they might want to work with your schedule, but it's always just a general courtesy to ask them first.
1: You should always make sure that you're on time for your shadowing opportunity, but this doesn't necessarily mean that your doctor will also be on time. I know my dad always shows up to work late, and it's such a regular thing that his patients show up for their appointments late because they know that Dr. Wong is also going to be late. In terms of what to do post-shadowing, referring back to these experiences, it's always a really good idea when you write your personal statements for medical school. You should also be sending a thank you email or card to the physician. And I know Megan has some more tips and tricks on this.
0: So this is actually really funny. I didn't know that not many people knew about this. But whenever, not even to just physicians, whenever you are interviewing something, or you are just talking to someone professionally, it's always courteous to send a follow-up email or like a thank you, a thank you email or thank you card to that given person because it shows that you are in it. (laughs) It shows that you want to do this. And in the thank you letter, it's very simple. You don't have to like write a five paragraph essay on your thank you letter. I'm going to let you in on such an amazing secret, everyone. People don't read long emails. They never do.
1: (gasps) Do they listen to long podcast episodes? (laughs) My heart breaks.
0: (laughs) People don't read super long emails. At most, at most, they will read an email that is probably around five sentences long. Ooh. Retention rate, everybody. Yeah. Retention rate. We know. And if, you about made that. It this
1: far, if you made it this far in the podcast,
0: we salute you.
1: Thank <laughs> you. Number one fan.
0: Yes. But whenever you are finished shadowing with a physician, especially, especially shadowing, it's always good to send a thank you note just so they remember you. Just when they're fresh in your minds to say thank you for the amazing experience. Because, like we said before they're taking time out of their very busy schedule to help you and to show you into their world. So just always a courteous and friendly thing to do. After all that rambling, let's have a quick discussion about how to conclude this episode. We have a set of questions from UW Medicine about shadowing that we're going to quickly share our opinions about. And it's kind of going to be your food for thought to let you leave this podcast and have it marinate in your mind. <laughs> One of the questions that we had to ask yourself when you're shadowing is to if you can see yourself doing what this doctor does and the pros and cons of doing this particular specialty because as you know, shadowing lets you directly see the daily life of the doctor and see what you' be doing as that person once you eventually go into that pathway. So when you're shadowing, think, am I, do I like this? Do I enjoy this? Can I see myself doing this in the future? And then something else to consider is the size of the practice. And I think Alyssa wants to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, there could be solo or group practices. So would you want to work by yourself or with other doctors? Some other things to be considered might be the types of patients you receive, age, sex problems slash diagnoses insurance as well as apart from the size of the practice you should also consider the size of the community you want to serve as well as if whether you want to practice in a rural area in the city or overseas because that also depends on what practice you do
0: So something also to consider would also be if you're rather drawn to diagnostic problem solving or procedures and by that Critical thinking skills. So, when you're a doctor, there are so many ways you can go about things. Diagnostic problem solving probably relates best to the ER room and trauma, so figuring out the solution, figuring out and diagnosing a patient in such high stress situations compared to perhaps like a procedure, which is obviously planned. And which one would you prefer? Do you like the adrenaline rush? Do you prefer set order? That's also something to consider maybe when you're shadowing someone. Then the next question that we found, Alyssa wanted me to talk about this. She was very adamant in me talking about this. Your explanation
1: is excellent.
0: (laughs) And the question is about whether or not the doctor is involved in clinical research or bench slash lab research. So I am personally a research-oriented person. I really like research. I really hope to do it. So the main difference between clinical research and lab research is just human connection. So, Alyssa, to help out with my explanation, what is the first word you think of when you think lab? Like when I say doing lab research, what does that mean?
1: Lab coats, lab goggles, no sunlight.
0: (laughs) So that's basically what lab research is. It's primarily focused on all of the sciences. So you're primarily working with a white coat in a lab using pipettes, using inoculating loops, you're culturing bacteria, all of that fun stuff. In comparison, clinical research is more of what you hear in the news and that's like finding new cancer drug cancer drug trials, finding cures to Alzheimer's, all of these different drug-related trials. So that is more focused on human connection because you're testing them on live subjects live human subjects rather than animal testing. And you're talking to these people. It's not like you're in a lab where the specimen can't talk back to you. (laughs) Um, You're going to need to have very good personable skills if you want to do clinical research. Finally, to wrap it up, we have Alyssa with the final questions.
1: So for the first of our final questions, how does a doctor learn more about their patient's personal lives and how is this knowledge factored into the patient's care? Like you could take note of whether the doctor likes to do small talk before beginning the actual appointment or if they like to catch up on on updates on the patient's life after the appointment and how they factor this into the way that they interact with the patient. Another question is, what factors seem to play into how the patients respond to the doctor? Like, do the patients seem to enjoy the small talk? or Are they just trying to get on with their appointment? Our final question is, do you like the pace of this type of practice? To bring back Megan's previous example of pediatrics versus surgery, obviously the pace of the two different specialties will be very different. So like, this helps you figure out if you want to do a more fast-paced kind of emergency room hospital drama kind of life of you're looking for more of
0: a slow pace. Yes, you can live your grave anatomy <laughs> dreams and become Meredith Gray or Christina Yang or well, whoever you chose to be. Or you can be on the more calmer side <laughs> and be like a pediatrician and you're just meeting with kids for their annual checkup. You're Giving shots and dealing with all the things Tantrums. that come with that. The
1: trying children.
0: <laughs> but either way, it's very rewarding. And if you decided to go into medicine in the first place, and if you want to be a doctor in the first place, you obviously have a reason to. It's just a matter of finding what type, what pace works best for you.
1: And that's what shadowing is all about finding out for the future what you want to do.
0: Thank you, everybody, for coming to Shadow and Learn about shadowing with doctors. I'm Megan. And I'm Alyssa.
1: See you next time. Bye! Medicine Encompassed is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that provides numerous opportunities oriented towards the integration of STEAM and medicine, aiming to produce content and offer a multitude of services to underprivileged and underserved students. This podcast is our initiative to explore medicine through an informative audio format. Visit our website, medicine-encompassed.org, to learn more about our organization. If you would like to suggest a topic to our team or be a featured guest on the Medicine Encompass podcast, please email us at podcast at medicine org. Remember to follow us on Spotify and Anchor at the Medicine Encompass podcast and Instagram at the MedEnc podcast so you never miss an episode. Edited by Alyssa Wong. Music by Alyssa Wong. Cover art by Angela Liu.